Welcome to Chapter 3 of HealthSystemCIO.com's interview with Edith Dees, CEO of Capson and longtime former CIO. In this segment, Dees talks about what she believes is the single biggest issue facing CIOs, the most ineffective ways to approach change management, and what excites her most about the health IT industry today. In your, in your current role now, what, do you, what, what are you seeing are, are the biggest challenges for CIOs that, and, and other leaders, but really for CIOs that, that you're focused on? The immediate word that came to mind was workflow. When I was a bedside you know, critical care nurse, I was just thinking about the interaction and relationship between my patient and their family. That was it. I probably, and I notice this a lot with clinicians, and I, and I think that's one of the big dissatisfiers, they don't really understand they have a workflow, and they don't like the system not supporting their current workflow. So I think a lot of work needs to be done saying you do have a workflow, let's understand it. And my observation of nurses in particular, if you don't deliberately tell them in their workflow, stop doing this, they are overwhelmed because they're going to do everything they did in their prior workflow and everything you expect to support the system in their new workflow, and they, they can't do that. They're not staffed to do that. They don't, I mean, you just, folks, no human can do that. So, but if you don't tell them, let go of this, they will try to do that. So I think it's getting into the things that actually overwhelm them. And, and, and get, in working with the organization psychologists, people are upset, rightfully so, concerned about patient safety, rightfully so. But, folks, these are things we can address and fix. It's not like put a stop to meaningful use, stop the rollout. We need to look at some of the soft skills and uh, listen, set up some integration uh, mechanisms so we can better appreciate the bigger picture here and what's going on and what's our role in it. What's, our, what's your individual role in the bigger picture here? I think that's been neglected. And, then and in all fairness, it, you can't do it, it. IT leaders, anybody, you can't do everything. And meaningful use is expecting you to do a whole lot of stuff right now yeah. at the expense of a lot of other stuff that needs to be done right now. Yeah, that seems to be an, an issue that we hear about a lot is that, that prior, prioritization because it's really, it, it becomes so difficult when there isn't really anything you can push to the back burner. Right, right. Well, that's to me why processes and just kind of lean mentality, lean thinking, do it right the first time and move on. Don't just let something just keep coming back and biting you. You have to take the time to fix that stuff and get it out of your way. Yeah. What do you think are is, um, some of the other pressing issues that, that CIOs maybe need a little bit of uh, assistance with? Well, security, and it's the yeah. human engineering of it. I mean, you know, I guess the good and the bad news is most of the breaches are within your own, behind your firewall. Yeah. So, I mean, there's definitely an opportunity there. We were uh, hardening our uh, passwords and user IDs, well, passwords, that Holy Spirit, I met with each of our uh, physician practices and specialties to roll out the justification why we were doing this. And admittedly, some of them came and said, when I saw the agenda, I'm like, I was ready for But when she rolled it out, it said, you know, this is to protect our patients. I mean, it's hard to argue with that. So it's kind of, I'm not doing anything that's counter to your mission. We all have the same mission. I just have things I'm responsible for doing, and you have things you're responsible for doing. And let's, together, let's work through this and 
accomplish what needs to be accomplished and moved on to the next thing that needs to be accomplished. So we, uh, we did, uh, and it was just talking to them, explaining it, not an arbitrary will because the CEO said you had to do it, so you have to do it. Yeah. That's not how we did it. That's not how we did change. Now you're never going to get the results you want with that, with that kind right. of stuff. Right. Well, no, because you're talking to people that have a passion for what they do. Yeah. And that's the good news. Help them be as passionate about the change you're proposing as you are. Yeah. Now, um, as far as your, your decision to get into this new realm, I can imagine that maybe there were, there were pros and cons, or, just, or was this something that really just made sense to you as the next step? It was, to me, the next step. Mm-hmm. Um, in my career, I kind of came in and out of consulting and working for a provider and consulting, and it's kind of probably time to, for me, I thought to segue back into consulting because there was so much going on now that I don't want to miss anything. So to get that flavor of what are other folks doing, what are their challenges, how are they addressing it, what are they doing to uh, you know, rally the troops and, you know, what innovations are they pursuing? It's just, uh, to me, it was a perfect time to go for it. Right. I can, uh, you know, imagine that there really are a lot of experiences to be able to draw from and kind of having the, the ability to say, this is how we did it at, at the organizations where I worked and how that, you know, really certainly carries uh, a lot of weight with people who are in that position now. Well, and I think that helps, and I think it's also, it's like this is a normal reaction. This is everybody's initial reaction. Here's what we do to move past that. I think it's given them hope that we can move past it, and there's some tips and techniques and all that jazz, but just like trying to get that cardiac initiative at Holy Spirit, there are really pretty straightforward ways to get through this and accomplish what we need to do. Yeah. And you're talking from experience, and you're talking from not just one organization or one part of the country. I mean from all over the country, folks. Some of it is just, this is just human nature. Right. Thinking about, you know, everything that, that you've seen over the years, where, where do you think the CIO role is going to, uh, how do you think it's going to continue to change, or is a lot of it kind of just carrying the same principles along? No, I think it's, to me, uh, it's evolving into more of a collaborator. And I, th- I think, a big part of my role as a CIO, and I think it will be continuing to go forward, is clarifying your role and your colleague's role. Who does what? So there are no gaps, and there is ownership and accountability. The ball is not dropped. At all times, you know where it resides. For example, I interviewed an executive team not long ago. From very, I mean, they were doing very well in their market, and they hated IT. They all need to go. So when I asked for more specifics, the VP of nursing was the first to speak, and she goes, the help desk doesn't help. I go, okay, can you, can you tell me more about that? She goes, well, when my nurses call the help desk, ask how to do something, they can't help them. I'm like, well, I mean, probably, so these are like process questions or, yeah. She goes, my nurses don't have time to go to training. Well, that's never going to fix itself. Yeah. Somebody at the help desk, is never going to be able to do OJT training when your nurse is getting a bind. So it's not like you keep getting what you're getting when you keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. So it had to be unsatisfying for IT. The VP of nursing was totally unsatisfied, so imagine her whole division was totally disempowered. And, yeah. uh, I mean, it's like we can fix this. It doesn't have to be like this. Right. But if you never heard anybody from the outside, you would like, 
it's just IT. We, they need to go. You need to get people there that can do OJT training when somebody in a clinical area calls. Well, good luck with that. I mean, some, I know some places are taking the model where clinicians are, quote, at the help desk, and that's one model. But I don't think even that model it should be instead of training your clinicians. Right. It's interesting because there, there's definitely been talk about CIO role evolving, but it seems like a lot of that is, is kind of managing the evolution of other roles as well. And that's actually yes. interesting. Yes. Yes, and rely, and you, you know, you as a real leader now, not a technician, not as a supervisor, not as a manager, but a leader. You've got to sell a vision, and you've got to tell people how they contribute to it. And some, a lot of that is talking to your colleagues, too, and negotiating with them. Because they would much rather keep doing what they've always done and not think about the stuff that you live and breathe every day. How is this project going to get done? How are we going to stay in budget? I mean, you need visible leadership from everyone you're working with in a project. I mean, nobody can opt out of it. It's not an, there are no IT projects anymore. I mean, few. There's a few. I mean, you've got to do infrastructure upgrades and, you know, some of that. But most of them have a direct impact on clinician workflow and patient care. Folks, the clinicians cannot opt out of those discussions. Yeah. When I would even argue some of the technical things, they need to know why it's being done and what, what impact. I mean, even as strict as whatever, is now I have to do a 10-character password, you can't just spring that on people. So even while that may be seen as an IT, when people, if your customers are going to see what you did, they need to know why you did it, when you're going to do it, et cetera, et cetera. Be prepared for it. Yeah. Yeah, it goes back to what you talked about with uh... – the, the change management slide presentation and uh, the, the different ways of, of trying to really communicate about this is, this is how the change is going to affect you and helping people to uh, kind of embrace that. Well, I have this little equation that says communication leads to buy-in and buy-in leads to return on investment. It all starts with communication. Yeah. I mean, if I don't get why you're making me do what I know works for my patient, I'm going to resist you. Why wouldn't I? Oh, of course. All right. I guess any, any last thoughts from, from you on kind of, uh, I guess, what, where the, the industry is heading? It's been uh, such an interesting couple of years, and um, you talked about, uh, you know, population health really being kind of a focus going forward. But any, any other thoughts on uh, how you see things really kind of shaking out? Yes, I'm really excited about the patient engagement, the push to empower folks, and I'm really excited about the wearables and wearable technology coming out where even if you don't, well, certainly if you do, but even if you didn't have a, or aware of a genetic tendency to get, you know, some weird disease or you could be monitoring yourself pretty soon with, some, with your watch, for example, something you'd stick under your pillow. You could pick, pinpoint a problem before you or your clinician even knew you should be looking for it. I think yeah. that's very exciting. And, and you talk about more focused expenses. Don't just do a, you know, let's do our annual panel. Let's talk, focus in on the stuff your little watch is beeping on here and worry about that first. The good news for me, and maybe it's not, I doubt it, it can't be a coincidence, the rate of change of technology and the rate of change in healthcare, I think that it's a great time to get those synergies for both of them. So much interesting things going on. And yes. Uh, just in, in, in talking about all this, you can see how it gets, 
it gets a little overwhelming. So it's it's really important, I think, to to you know talk to go back to those principles you talked about, and I think that that'll be even more important going forward to really emphasize things like communication and and, and collaboration and things like that. I think so. I mean, humans are going to be the ones that make it work. Technology yeah. can't do it by itself. Right. We've got to know how to apply it and maximize it and leverage it. And I'm so glad it's happening while the baby boomers, before all of them become consumers, because in my opinion, it's going to be a real crisis if we yeah. don't. Automate yeah. the stuff that we have clinicians worrying about now. Free them up to do the hands-on. Yeah. Not chase, where's that, where's that? I know I tried it somewhere. Where is it? You know, let's get way past that. Yeah. All right. Um, well, this, is, this has been really interesting. I want to thank you so much for taking the time and, and sharing oh, your it's experiences. My, my pleasure, Kate. I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, I really do. Thank you. Sure. I think this will be really um, interesting for our readers, too, and uh, I'd love to definitely catch up with you sometime again. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you. Sure. Thanks so much, and um, I'll be in touch with you as to the, the logistics of this. Okay. Thanks, Kate. Have a good day. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.